0: Hi everyone, in this episode we spoke to Martin Yelling, a former international runner, host of the Marathon Talk podcast and founder of the charity Stormbreak. Our conversation ranged from the relationship between physical and mental health, his work with Stormbreak and mindset training for long distance running. I hope you enjoy the episode and if you do please give us a rating and a review on iTunes.
1: good. Well, I say I'm good. I'm, I'm okay. As, as good as you can be. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think you know, no. given Given current context, I'm, I'm holding up.
0: Okay. Um, so just to kick things off, what is your, um, both your kind of personal relationship and professional relationship to mental health?
1: Cool, that's a whopper of a kickoff question, isn't it? <laughs> that's a monster. Um, personal relationship. Um, I guess for me, um, a lot of, so I'm 48 now and I've got three small children and I spent a lot of years doing lots of things I wanted to do, uh, running around, you know, with my wife and, um, in like really enjoying our life, which was fantastic. We've now got three, three children and things were a little bit different. <laughs> the stresses that come with, with, with all of that. Um, but for me, I think one thing I've certainly realized in the last 10 years is that my own personal mental health is inextricably kind of wrapped up um, in my relationship with my physical self. So those two things are really quite tightly inter- interwoven. And there's some really good things about that, but there's some also... You know, like limitations around that. So what I know now is that moving is a really great way for me to help manage, you know, my own like the ebbs and flows which I think everybody has in their own mental health and for some people it's, you know, more pronounced than for others. Um I would say I typically walk along a reasonably Well supported continuum of my own mental health, like it's pretty sound most of the time. Sometimes my relationship with my own mental health can go up and down, and you know that's triggered by various things. But more often than not, I'm able to have a what I would call a positive relationship with my own mental health. So, does that answer your personal question?
0: (laughs) Yeah, that does. That's that's something I really echo with as well because. I had a, a period when I was was injured for quite a long time and it kind of morphed into um, issues around chronic pain and things like that and one of the things that I stopped I was quite an active or very active person and one of the things I stopped doing was uh, was sports and and movement and I think that kind of fed into a really vicious cycle of um, of feeding into the depression but once I started to get it was quite hard to get start to get to, to move to start moving freely again but, mm-hmm. but once I did it was a kind of real positive cycle of um, of the improving my physical health, improving my mental health. Um, so I can definitely see where you, where you come from with that.
1: Yeah and, and I think professionally um, I've always worked certainly for the last 15 years, I guess for myself on my own, um, or as part of building different teams, and largely that's been in physical activity, sport, performance contexts. So that could be anything from um, a running club in a you know um, in a business to helping with some park run stuff to creating a running event through to coaching the London Marathon or helping people like, um, Eddie Izzard runs some of his stuff to, you know, all sorts of stuff to do with professional uh, use of 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 movement and physical activity and sport in in life, I guess, from grassroots right up to Olympics.
0: Yeah, and, and can you can you pinpoint why physical exercise is so good for people's mental health?
1: I think I can pinpoint why it's good for mine. Sure. So you know one thing is, that's really important is to understand why uh, I think individual contexts are really relevant and individuals' situations are really relevant um, and, and therefore it becomes really difficult to kind of give a generalisation to why it's important. Um, I think there's some some research that's, that that shows a positive relationship between physical activity and mental health in terms of the social connections that it gives you. know in terms of the endorphins that get released when you exercise in terms of how it makes you feel about yourself and your relationship to other people so there are a lot of social and and physical um, emerging evidence for why uh, mental health and movement or physical activity go can go hand in hand for some people Um, for me personally I think I realized that it started off with me realising that it was quite good for my self-esteem, the fact that I could do it as a young, as a youngster. So for me, my sport was either running or triathlon. And so when I realised I could do it, I'd chosen my parents quite carefully. That meant that it enabled opportunity for me. So I, you know, and I, I was good at pushing the door of that opportunity you know so so and and I think in those days sport helped me do that now it's much more about understanding that being active has a positive impact on how I feel about myself and other people
0: yeah and I suppose that that kind of brings us onto your work with uh with Stormbreak and from what I can gather that's around um encouraging kids to get moving to kind of safeguard their their well-being and, and do you think that um compared to perhaps like previous generations that um you know there's been a loss of school playing fields you know kids i think are typically less active and spend less 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 time outdoors and do you think that has had um an impact on young people's well-being
1: uh so let, let's talk about stormbreak first then i'll come back to your question all right so what i fit. Th- so stormbreak is a children's mental health charity that I founded a couple of years ago. So when I did my PhD at Loughborough back in a postdoc, I did a PhD in a postdoc in effective professional development in education settings and policy for, for change um, in um, teachers' behaviours around what works in things like physical education, CPD. And physical activity was a really important part of that. And at that time, I was really kind of infused by being active so i was all about minutes of moderate to vigorous activity and getting kids active and really seeing the physical benefits as first and foremost and then 15 years later you know i think i've become a little wiser and i'm not discounting that association between physical and mental However, what I've done with Stormbreak, and this is really important distinction, is that Stormbreak flips that on its head a little bit and puts the mental health concepts and the benefits front facing. So, so when you engage with Stormbreak, which is so what we try and do at Stormbreak is we try and embed movement for mental health every day for every child um, in schools. Uh, across the UK, and we, we do that through something we call a storm break, which is a period of 15 minutes of mentally healthy movement, and we've constructed about 50 of these different ideas, but all of them are driven by concepts of mental health first. And that came about because I didn't think that the mental health benefits of engaging in movement sport and physical activity should be secondary okay i thought we should teach them and coach them as priority and that was coupled with an increase in the rise in the number of you know referrals in uh, cams and a growing crisis in children's mental health um, and also a kind of rising need to have more conversation around mental health in adults but also in children so when we say oh is fitness you know good for mental health and are is decreasing fitness or physical activity opportunities detrimental for mental health yes they are but at the same time with Stormbreak what we try and do is focus on the mental health first and we deliver it through the movement and that's quite different to focusing on the movement first and uh, kind of making the assumption that the mental health benefits happen by accident because sometimes they do but often they don't
0: and I suppose it it it, it, it means that um, you know for some people physical exercise isn't the thing that, that that would get them mentally healthy but if you put the I suppose you if you put the benefits front and center like you're trying to do it doesn't really matter if the if the physical stuff works because it's a kind of add on as well
1: yeah the physical stuff's not so important yeah the mental health is really important if you move you're going to get the physical benefits right because you're moving um whereas there's an assumption that by playing in in, kind of in inverted commas by playing sport you get mental health benefits and that's not always true you know for some people engaging in physical activity actually they feel quite judged and they can feel quite humiliated and They just don't want to do it. I think about times where, you know, I felt uncomfortable in situations and I've not wanted to do it. And, you know, this is no different, actually. So we try and create environments and climates and coaching for moving where you can have conversations about how you feel, where you're not judged in any way, you know, where we celebrate all kinds of of interaction, where it's really inclusive you know we have a definite focus on um self-worth and and how people feel we we choose our language really carefully and we're very relational and we listen really carefully and we you know we validate how children feel and that's not always been the case in sort of traditional sport so you know a classic example might be just because you play more cricket it doesn't make you more resilient especially if you're stuck out in the field and you barely see a ball
0: yeah I think you picked the right example with cricket because that's that's my kind of main sport and I I think you're perfect you're you're really spot on there because for a lot of people yes they enjoy it but if they don't enjoy it in the right way and if they heap kind of especially in team sports I suppose if you heap pressure on yourself to to play a certain way or to get a certain outcome um that can actually be probably quite damaging it can have the especially in yeah
1: especially in children and so you know it's really important that we share the right messages to children and that trusted adults around those children are able to use movement to support the mental health of those children but also to teach those children some coping skills some strategies some you know some mechanisms that they can translate and that will stick with them as they grow you know so for example we work with some schools and we try and you know we try and teach them that actually moving and physical activity exercise isn't discipline it's a really effective behavior management strategy especially when children self-select so you know so a, a child will ask for a storm break and they'll ask for a storm break as a part of a self-regulation strategy and that's really important
0: that's really cool so how, how do you go about engaging with with the parents and teachers kind of giving them the skills to to implement these things
1: well at the moment of course is really difficult <laughs> yeah. um you know uh you and i, I i'm not sure when you know when this will go out but currently in the uk we're stuck in them in the middle of an unprecedented coronavirus pandemic and so you know the ways that as a charity stormbreak would engage with our schools is radically shifted because of course schools are closed so it's just really hard and the, the the genuine answer to that question is right now i don't know you know i i, I don't know because the way we've done things for the last two years has been turned on its head in the last two weeks. We can no longer meet with teachers to upskill whole, you know, the staff of the school. We can no longer run the sessions that we would do. Um, and in a way, the schools that we were in, you know, we were just starting to see some benefits with the children in those schools. Of course, the children are now at home, or some of the most, you know, the ones with parents as key workers or more vulnerable ones are still in school, but we're not able to give them the storm break in the way that we hoped they would get it so yeah it's very very difficult at the moment yeah that is that is
0: really tricky but in 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 a normal normal period of time um how would a teacher go about putting putting a storm break in a lesson
1: so there's various ways in which they can implement so we would help guide them through what works in their contexts so we recognize that teachers are or we actually work with whole school staff, so it might be a lunchtime supervisor or a um, pastoral care worker, not just a class teacher. Sure. But they often know the best way to work. So we work with them in clusters of schools to say, what's your school like? What would work? What implementation strategy do you think would work in your school? OK, let's go and try it. And some schools predefine an opportunity to storm break in the day. So they will say, okay, it's an orientation exercise at a certain time in the morning, and we're all going to do it. Other schools incorporate a lot more flexibility around their approach, and our role is to support the staff so that they know what we mean by a storm break. So we challenge some of the misconceptions around movement and language and mental health, and we show staff how to have great conversations during movement around mental health and then you know how to activate that within their safeguarding procedures at school and follow it up and so you know it's, it's fantastic we get some fantastic feedback from teachers saying how children have responded in such positive ways you know they never used to engage they didn't like it and now they're leading or they're drawing something at home and bringing it in so it's bringing movement to life but it's also helping kids see that when they move it can benefit their own mental health and these are things that i'd have loved to have known when i was 10 yeah definitely you know but uh but you know i learned over lots of years of failing (laughs) um and finding out stuff that didn't work too well for me and then occasionally finding out some stuff that did um and that's kind of so that's how stormbreakers was born i guess (laughs)
0: I suppose you don't really have a, a typical storm break, but what would um, what would a storm break look like in a classroom? What kind of movements are the kids doing? How's... Well, there's loads
1: of different ones actually. So, so we've built them around different areas, and some are quite mindful and calming and meditative. So, you know, we, we, we have one called bus stop meditation. Some are more active, and they're more based around you know, being outside. Lots of running ones running with a buddy or doing cross country in a classroom, which sounds odd, but you need to understand um, the concepts. Um, you know, Some are based on more fundamental movement skills. Um, some are based on connecting with, the nat- with nature and the outdoors in a small partnership that we did with the National Trust. So we recognize the importance of getting outside and being outdoors and connecting with the environment. And so some of our storm breaks are just doing that we've got some more creative ones where children are you know more um, being encouraged to do more fluid movements more dance be creative with how they move so yeah there's a there's a big range yeah Um, there's a big range so you say the stuff like
0: interacting with nature and I think that's that's a really powerful thing especially at the moment um, when we can have periods when we're trapped indoors all day I found it really helpful to kind of just go around in the garden and walking and I saw I'm quite lucky where I live now that there are two brilliant red kites kind of circling above and and a deer kind of walked across the garden but do you have to is it harder to to implement or do you I suppose you have to adapt the storm breaks to different schools at different times if you know some of them may have big wide playing fields and others might be kind of in the middle of the city is is it is it tricky to adapt them or is it is it i suppose it's quite intuitive
1: well the principles what's really important is that to be you know to deliver a meaningful storm break we've got a set of principles that you've got to fulfill which we coach storm break advocates through so that they can effectively deliver it in a um, in a way which is fulfilling the principles of storm break but what comes with that is also an inherent knowledge that the people that work in those schools understand their context and their children much better than we do yeah and and therefore it's our expectation actually that you know those people being more experienced knowledgeable than we are at, at that will be able to apply things to their context so it's not like a you know a lesson here's what you're supposed to do it's not curricular you know here is an idea around um, relationships. So when we coach in schools, we coach to relationships. We coach to self-worth. We coach to self-care and self-regulation. And we coach to uh, resilience and and hope and optimism. And those are our kind of core constructs that that underpin um all of the storm breaks. I was just wondering.
0: If you it's it's probably fairly early days, but. Do you have any plans to kind of um, to edit it around the situation we're in at the moment where kids, <laughs> a lot of kids aren't in schools? Is there, you know, is there a possibility to take it online or anything like that?
1: Yeah, I think there is. You know, it's, a, it's always a challenge. We're always faced with a challenge as a young, um, small charity. We've got an amazing team of people, really amazing. You know, our, one of our trustees is Paul Sinton Hewitt, who founded Park Run. Oh, wow. Um, Vasos Alexander, who um, presents, it. yeah, and um, you know, on our delivery team, you know, we have a fantastic um, head teacher uh, who, who you know, was a been a teacher for twenty years, uh, an educational psychologist who's been in that role for twenty plus years, you know, the the um, head of of initial teacher education at the University of Winchester, so you know, we've got quite an experienced team who are helping us build this and, and 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 roll it out. So I hope, even though things are really difficult at the moment and we are a tiny, poorly funded, in fact, terribly funded um, charity, you know, who are doing a lot of work to try and do a little bit of good. Um, you know, we're definitely not a big, powerful charity. We're tiny. Um, we hope to do some really great things in the future, but you know everything starts somewhere with lay at the moment
0: yeah that's brilliant and to move on to a kind of different topic you do a lot of work around um marathons and i've read that you've you've run um ultra marathons and things like that is do you have certain techniques to get you and the people you coach into the right kind of mindset to do those kind of really big challenges
1: yeah i mean you know you're you're your mind is an incredibly powerful tool you know much of my uh, my sort of coaching experience has been around preparing people physically in order that they can accomplish the event that's actually relatively straightforward so you know my wife went to a couple of olympic games in the marathon i i am the official sort of london marathon coach for everybody that signs up for that i'm a garmin ambassador and i work with people doing other physical challenges and the preparation in terms of their body, it can be quite logical. Um, The preparation in terms of their mind, that's what makes the biggest difference. So, you know, in essence, like nine, once, once you're physically ready and you've done all that you can with seeing your body as a machine you know, and y- you feel ready, then, you know, 90% of the work is to do is mental. Mm. Um, and the remaining 10% is all in your head.
0: Yeah. Do you, I've run one marathon incredibly slowly, but I was, when I got to the point that, that I was really struggling in it, the thing that kind of gave me an extra burst of energy was, was knowing that I was doing it for charity rather Mm -hmm. than um obviously like it's a nice personal accolade to have a medal and things but do you find that especially with the london marathon which so many people raise so much money for charity do you feel like sometimes that can give them an extra boost a extra kind of mindset boost to carry on that they're doing it for something bigger than themselves i
1: suppose well i mean that definitely helps so you know one of the things to lock in is is like a like a personally salient motivator so something that's really relevant so what i tend to do with people who are building up mindset skills is is that mastery comes through knowing which tool to get out when so it's all well and good reading off a list of psychological strategies that you can do to batter yourself into submission but actually there are points where some of them just don't work so I like to think of it as like pulling out the right tool to do the right job at the right time. And some of them are more weighty than others, you know. So particularly if somebody's running, um, yeah, you know, in someone's memory, or they're running a marathon for a charity that they're particularly connected to, so there's a real resonance. Um, you know, that's not the reason. That's not the 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 tool that you get out at mile two because you're feeling like you've gone off too quickly. That's the tool you get out at mile 22 when you want to, you know, boil your eyes out and stop and go home. So it's teaching people. So what are the range of those things and when do you get them out and, and how do you use them? You know, and some might be so simple as counting distract, you know, a dissociation technique, a strategy just to disconnect um counting is is a simple one um i'm rubbish at that by the way i do get to about four and then i just have to keep repeating yeah like to four i never get any further than four um but different things work for different people so you know focusing one one that i've really found to work for me personally particularly on longer stuff is to really put yourself in the present moment so to not worry about what's gone on before or to not be anxious about what comes ahead, but simply to be completely aware of where you are at that time. And then by really pushing into that, that time passes. And and then when it passes, often the discomfort that you're experiencing passes with it too. Um, And, you know, sometimes particularly in long endurance running, you can be amazed at the power of your body and the power of your mind to respond when, you know, when you thought you didn't have much left. Um, There's always a little bit more. You just need to know where to find it.
0: Yeah, I think that's quite similar to um, there's a meditation where you focus on walking. So you're walking around and you really focus on each step um, and you count each step. That seems like quite a similar process as, as to what you're describing.
1: Uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's really just kind of really being mindful of your next foot plant on the trail or the road, you know, and concentrating just on that. And learning, it's a learned skill, you know, so you have to learn it in training to be able to apply it on race day. You can't just think on race day, oh, I'm going to do this now um, because, you, you, you know, you're not... You haven't prepared yourself in order to do that. Now, I, something that always kind of resonates with me, strikes me is you know the the fact that, like, and I would count myself in this category. It's really difficult to sit still in a room on your own for a long time, particularly on the floor. So, sit still in a room on your own for a vet for a long, long time and. That should be something that we should find easy,
0: yeah.
1: but it's not, is it? It's hard because things come into your mind and your body starts to to talk to you and you, know, you want to move and fidget. And the only way you get better at that is by doing it more, yeah. right? So you notice how to deal with things, you know, when you're just sat still in a room. And it's the same when you're moving you know you you can actually do the same learn the same skills but be running a trail or be at 20 miles in a marathon and having the ability to put your head in that space means that your race can be more or less successful depending on what you want that to look like
0: yeah i think that's really good advice Just to kind of start wrapping things up, what would be we kind of touched upon it at the start, but what are the kind of methods and strategies that you use to stay to stay mentally healthy?
1: Yeah, so for me what's really important is um obviously to move. (laughs) For me, I for me I know that's something that works. So but moving doesn't necessarily mean training. Okay. So I can go for a run and I don't need to have anything structured. You know, it's just outside, moving, running, feeling the air, feeling the, you know, the wind, uh, listening to my breathing, connecting with my feet on the floor, you know, freeing my mind of what's going on that particular time and coming home. So absolutely, the things I know that for me work as strategies are moving. Also, space. So... um, Space on my own is another strategy that I like. And sometimes I can get that when moving. So I'll purposefully go running in a really remote place and just be on my own. But other times, you know, imagine the frantic nature of my house at the moment (laughs) with homeschooling three children. It's hugely problematic at the minute and chaotic. Not not an awful lot of space. (laughs) Hardly any space. So actually devoting a little time on your own. So, you know, I, I like that and I try and build that into a day and I, I might read or, you know, just sit. Um, but finding creating that space time in my day. So moving and solitude are quite important. Um, and also, um, like nature. So those are my probably three big strategies. I can feel great if I go for a swim in the sea, you know, surrounded by the water, Um, or I love to just go and sit in the forest and be surrounded by the trees or on the side of a mountain or on a cliff, you know, there's no better place to be. I don't need to be moving in those spaces, Um, but you know, the sky is big. Um, and you feel open and connected with your environment. So those are probably my three go-to things.
0: Yeah, and I think they're important at, at the best of times, but at the moment, doing those three things, as long as you kind of take the right precautions and stay away from people, they can be super helpful.
1: Um, I'm, I'm struggling a bit at the moment. Yeah, really struggling with, with all of that because it's hard at the minute. You know, I could feel guilty going out for, for a run or a walk you know, because I know that actually I know it's really good for me and I know it's one of my core strategies, but at the same time, right now, I know I should be home, Yeah. you know, and actually to really, it feels a bit selfish of me to to be outside when I should be at home. And if everybody was outside, we'd all be outside.
0: Mm. And actually, I suppose the thing you're saying about is something I find really helpful really useful as well being in nature especially being kind of walking and, and being up in in mountains and high places is really helpful for me but those kind of things are not things that you can do at the moment so i yeah. think potentially at the moment stuff like if you can in your own house giving yourself space to go and to go and read or just to kind of be alone i think is important especially when you're what you're living with for other people um so it's they, really hard to do, though. So yeah. you know,
1: you you and I had a little conversation about um, our different situations before <laughs> we started recording, and, and you said, you know, you're at, um, alone, yeah, um, in a house on your own,
0: yeah,
1: and you know, you haven't seen anyone for about a week, yeah, and also, you know, you're kind of not going out too much, like and it's quite remote, I, I guess, because if you've got deer running through the garden, you're somewhere, you know, yeah. um, you're not in a big city, no. Um, whereas I've got three children under 10, you know, off school for the first time, a, a house just full of noise. Yeah. You know, my wife and I are trying to homeschool, trying to juggle work, trying to juggle relentless things going off all the time as, as people connect more with digital technology. You know, there's a demand on us more of digital tech. And, and that's not something I'm a big fan of, but I rely on for work. So I've got things pinging at me all day long. Yeah. It becomes even more important to try and disconnect from those things. So yet there's in my house there's this, pe- there's this element of negotiation around how to do that disconnect. Yeah. Whereas of course you don't have that. You're just like yeah, this is great. I'm just free soloing. Yeah, but-
0: well, I wouldn't mind a bit if I've I kind of been using kind of FaceTime and and Zoom and things like that to talk to people. But I suppose we're in could polar opposite scenarios yeah. Um, but yeah it's 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 interesting and I think apart from the obvious tragedy of the virus itself um, it's going to take its toll on, on people's mental health as well because uh, firstly the kind of element of worrying and, and having to wash your hands the whole time but also the element of either being trapped inside with people um, and getting on each other's nerves but also for a lot of people they won't be allowed outside for 12 weeks and and elderly people especially
1: Mm. yeah it's really difficult absolutely really really difficult um Uh, yeah really difficult
0: just to finally wrap things up um where can we find more about what you do about um marathon talk which we haven't really mentioned oh we haven't we have forgotten that which yeah i've really enjoyed listening to that when Uh, when i was training for for the marathon that was super helpful for me um and also about Stormbreak.
1: oh yeah so marathon talk is a free podcast every week on spotify itunes and probably other places and it's at marathon talk.com uh Stormbreak is at stormbreak.org.uk and coachingy stuff is at yellingperformance.com so it's all all interesting
0: brilliant martin that's been absolutely fascinating thank you very much
1: Thank
0: you. Thanks for listening to that episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. Although the things Martin and I talked about we may find helpful, if you're struggling with your mental health, please speak to a medical professional or call an organisation like Samaritan's on 116123.